Yes, we're in a series uh, entitled I Am, The I Am's of Jesus, and these have everything to do with Jesus making sure that not only his disciples and the people in the New Testament era, but that we understand who Jesus is. Uh, this is all about his identity, understanding his identity, and as we're going to find in each of these I Am's, maybe you haven't thought about it in this way before, but Jesus is really claiming his Godhead, his deity, that he and the Father are God. And this was really hard, really hard for people in the New Testament to take, especially the religious leaders. But he's trying to get now his disciples and others to understand this is who I am. And we've gone through some of them I am's, and this morning we go through I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to be turning to John chapter 14. If you'd like to follow in the Bibles in the chair in the seat in front of you, you're welcome to do that, where Jesus makes yet this other claim of his identity. John 14, verses 1 through 6. John writes, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever had to say goodbye to someone that you love dearly? I imagine there's a number of people that you don't say goodbye to because you'd like them to move on, whatever joy or lacquer of they, they gave to you. Have you ever had to go through a time when your heart was kind of breaking because you had to say goodbye? We're at a portion here in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 13, where Jesus is saying goodbye to his friends, his dear friends, these men that he's walked with for these three and a half or so years. And they, they were tight. They were like family. Jesus loved them, and they loved Jesus. And we're in this section of John, I think it's like chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, called the Farewell Discourse of Jesus. He's in the process of saying goodbye to these disciples that he loved. And he had just told them in John chapter 13 three things. One, I'm leaving. He'd be leaving the very next night. The crucifixion would follow the next day. He says, I'm leaving. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, he's been telling them this all along. But, you know, they didn't get it. They just never understood it, that he really was going to leave and, and take the way of the cross. He says, one, I'm leaving. And two, oh, by the way, he says in John 13, one of you are going to betray me. And one of you are going to deny me. Three things, he says, as he gives this farewell discourse. And, and as a result, his disciples are having troubled hearts. They're, they're trying to wrap their minds around what's going on. Even though Jesus was pretty much clear as he could be, reminding them time and again that he would be leaving them, that he would go the way of the cross. They're confused. 
they're agitated. Their hearts are troubled. And, and they're feeling this, this great sense of disappointment. You, you know what that's like when you, when, you, when you say goodbye to somebody you love. It might be a child who's uh, going off to school and you're saying goodbye like for the first time. Parents, that comes really fast. Be ready, it comes really fast. It, it might be a son or a daughter who's going to get married, and they've, they've stayed at home until that time, but it's like, no, you can't leave. Get, have him or her come and live with us. That would be okay, right? It's hard. It, it's heartbreaking to say goodbye to them. It might be a friend of yours that you've known for a long time, or even a church member. They, they, they moved down to another church. They moved out of state, and you can just understand a little bit that disappointment, right? That grief that you feel when you say goodbye to someone you love, it, it, it's, it's often a time, someone described it as an, a, an emotional kind of train wreck. Your emotions are all over the place. And you just kind of want to come back to center and have some stability. But those emotions take control, and it's like a, a roller coaster, right? Roller coasters of up and down and up and down. And maybe you're presently facing some kind of separation crisis. It might be because of a child leaving with a wife. It might be a, a death in the family. Someone who has recently died and, and you're feeling that, that anxiety that comes with separation. Uh, it might be something else, but, but you can understand at least in part what the disciples were feeling. Troubled hearts. Broken hearts. Our rabbi, our teacher, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, is going to leave us, and they still didn't quite get it that he had to. And they're in great disappointment. John chapter 14 begins to say, listen, he says, Jesus, Jesus brings these words, not only to his disciples, but for those of us who are going through some kind of separation crisis. He says, let me bring some words of encouragement. Let me bring some, some words of comfort to help you get through this time of separation. I'm leaving, but... I'm still going to be with you. This is that spiritual side, of course, of Jesus. I'm leaving, but I'll still be with you. And let me help you get through this time that we are apart from each other. And, and, and I trust, he said, that this will calm your troubled hearts. Jesus says, listen, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What Jesus is not saying, I think, is first important. Jesus is not saying, now, come on, you guys are your men. And um, maybe you heard in, in the men's groups that grown men don't cry, right? Gr grown men, they don't show emotions, keep it all inside. Some people said, that's just the way I am. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Grown men do cry. In fact, back in chapter 11, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. I'm going to be preaching on that is it next week or the following week on resurrection on Palm Sunday. It might be next week. I don't know, one of those two things where Jesus wept with Martha and Mary in the crowds because they were in deep mourning over the, last, uh, over the loss of Lazarus. And they were grieving, and Jesus too said, oh, I'm, I grieve as well. And Jesus wept. He's not saying that when you experience grief, the loss of someone or the loss of something, when you're brokenhearted, when you're troubled, he's not saying, don't grieve, that's not cool. No, of course you go ahead and grieve. That, that's being true to your feelings. God made us not just physical, but emotional beings. He says it's okay to grieve loss. What he is saying is, when you do grieve for someone, 
or something you've lost. When you grieve over anything, just don't go into a state of hopeless anxiety where you come to this place in your life where you can't get out of it because you have no hope of what tomorrow's going to bring. Grieving is okay, but don't grieve. I think Paul said it in Thessalonians. Don't grieve like people who have no hope. No, you're different. You have hope. You're going to get through this, and I'm going to walk with you through it. I think one of the uh, commentators meant something about Jesus is pretty much saying this to his disciples. Stop it! Stop grieving this way. Grieve, yes, but don't grieve like those people who don't think there's a tomorrow. There are better days ahead. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's so important to recognize as we go through these I am's of Jesus. Why, why they're such a big deal. I think uh, the president of the seminary when he was here beginning this series, remember he talked about the I am God, the I am in the Old Testament and how that worked out through the Old Testament, how Jesus now identifies himself as the I am. All of these I am's point to the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is truly God. And before he leaves, he wants his disciples and he wants us today to understand, I too am God. He says, listen, I too am God. You trust in him, you've trusted in him your whole life. Now I need you to trust in me in the same way because I am God too. In the same way you believed in God, now I need you to believe in me. And it's, Jesus is trying to, to get this in, into their mindset and into their hearts. Because 24 hours later, he would be on the cross saying goodbye. And you know what that would bring? That would bring even more heartache, more trouble, more discomfort. So many more questions being asked by the disciples in confusion. Right? They weren't at the cross. Just one. He's trying to understand. I got, need you to understand there's going to be more heartache coming yet. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to go to the grave. I need you to understand now, when you see all this happening, trust me. You need to trust me. Jesus is saying, just as you believed in God, now you believe in me in the same way. I know how strong is your trust is in God the Father. Now put that same amount of trust in me. Jesus is trying to get them to understand the reason for his leaving is, of course, for their benefit and our benefit, right? This is the Savior of the world. Without leaving, a salvation should not have its place in our lives. Jesus goes to the cross, and he dies for us, and Jesus goes as well to prepare a place. You believe in God, now believe in me. He said, here's the good news. I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, listen, there, there's good news in this, this time of kind of bad news. Yes, I'm leaving, <clears throat> but this is how it's going to benefit you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Um, a number of, of scholars believe Jesus is, is talking this, this wedding language. And it's probably true because in the New Testament, let alone the Old Testament, when, when two people got engaged, when a man and a woman got engaged, even stronger so than today, it was like they were married already. They weren't yet quite married, but once engaged, they were considered to be married. The groom would leave the bride and go back to his father's house. Now, can you imagine this? Those of us remember getting married, how it's nice to kind of get away from your parents. They kind of had it backwards. They, he would go to their parents' house, and they would kind of add on a room, or a room that was already there, and maybe remodel it or something. He would leave his bride, go back to his father's house, Get a room ready, 
And when the room was ready, he would go back and get his bride and take her back to live in that setting. Guys, how many of you would like to do that? That form of, I don't think so, right? That's not our culture, but that was a common place, at least I understand, in this day. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the bridegroom. He says, let's get this. He says, get this picture of the wedding in your head. I am the bridegroom. Yes, I'm saying goodbye. But listen, I too am going, just like I'm going to, to prepare a place for my bride. And it's not a mansion over the hilltop, right? We like to sing the song maybe, but he's not talking about the, this, this, this great mansion-like room you're going to have. But the emphasis is more on a place of permanency. I'm, I'm, I'm making a room for you that's going to be a dwelling place, and, and it's permanent. You'll never have to move again. Trust me, believe me, this is for your benefit. And then when I return, I'm going to take you back to be with me. No more trouble, no more trouble hearts, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more having to say goodbye again. I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. Now, just a quick sidebar moment, because as I struggled with this passage again, what is this place that Jesus is talking about that he's preparing, that he was preparing when he left his disciples? Over the years, I think many believed and still do that Jesus is talking about heaven. I'm going back to heaven, a place where our souls go when our bodies die. I'm preparing this place so that all these souls can come to heaven after I go back into heaven. And you can be with me there in heaven. And that's good. And it possibly could be that. But I, I lean, I'm leaning more towards that the place Jesus is preparing, he's talking about when he's going back, it's the new heaven and the new earth because there's a lot, a lot of construction that needs to be done with that. But he goes back and he says, I'm going to prepare this place. It's a new heaven and a new earth, a place unlike heaven. Heaven is going to be our temporary dwelling. We all know that, right? You're not going to live in heaven forever. Our, our permanent dwelling is the new heaven and the new earth. I'm going to prepare this place for you. And it's going to be this wonderful place. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, right? The new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, a place where there will be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, no more dying. Never again having to say goodbye. And you can live with me throughout eternity. Jesus preparing a place for you. And he says, this is why I have to say goodbye. For your salvation, if I don't go the way of the cross, you're not going to be saved. And two, I've got some marching orders up to get my, this house ready for your brethren to come to me who belongs to me. And I need to get that ready to prepare this place. And you know what? You're going to love it. You're going to love it. If I don't go, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. You are going to love it. Oh, and he also says in verse 4, and you know the way. Now, Thomas, of course, steps forward in verse 5 and says, know the way? We don't know the way. No. Show us the way. Now, how many guys ask for directions, right? My wife knows I'm still like that, and I just get lost once in a while. Of course, now we have these phones, and you almost get there, except the one time I ended up literally in the middle of a cornfield. But most of the time, you guys are pretty proud to ask the question, how do I get there? Thomas says, listen, how do we get there? Leave directions. We don't know the way. We, we want to know the way. Where are you going? Can, can you get us there? Maybe Google map it or give us something that we, we can find a way there. Jesus says, listen, I am the way. You don't need 
a map of directions or this or that. You can have what you need to know if you need. I am the way to this place. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, some, and, and when we tell people that, when we read that in Scripture, when, when we're witnessing, coming alongside of people, and telling them that Christianity is, is the only true religion, you can imagine the kind of feedback we get, right? Here, here, here's, Christianity is the only way to get to heaven? Who do you guys think you are? That, that you're so exclusive, a step above everybody else in the world, to think that you got it right and everybody else has it wrong. Some call it spiritual racism. How dare you? How dare you think that you're the only ones that got it right? And what makes you think that you have a monopoly on the truth? That there's only one truth, right? Relativism is there are many truths. Pick the truth you would like and, and, and so be it. What makes you think that you have a monopoly on the truth and there's only one truth as well? Let's understand, uh, some people believe there are many roads to heaven, right? Uh, that's pluralism. Many ways. You want, to get, you want to get to God, you want to get to Jesus back into heaven and the life. There's just not one way, even though Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, this world says there are many ways that you can get to God. In fact, what's that phrase? All roads lead to God. Pick the one that you like, pick the one that you're comfortable with, and you'll find your way to heaven. Christianity is just one of many ways. And we're happy that you who are Christians, you think you got it right, great. But guess what? We can find a way by following another trail. You may notice in the bulletin this morning, uh, the Muslims are presently uh, practicing Ramadan, right? Part of their religious practice. And, um, boy, they believe there's no God but Allah. They do not believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. And that's heresy. It's just plain heresy. Because the Bible which we believe is the word of God, which we believe is a source of truth. The Bible tells us that there is one way to heaven and one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. The Bible is crystal clear when, when Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I'm just not a way. I'm just not one of many ways. But if you want to see God someday and go to heaven and, and be saved, the one way and the only way is through Jesus Christ. And that is the way of the cross, that's why we're in this Lenten season. It's the way of the cross. There is only one way to get to heaven. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies for us. He takes upon himself our sin and our shame and our guilt. And because of that great sacrifice, we now have a pathway to heaven. And we can pray for the Muslims, not only for the Muslims, but for the Buddhists, uh, for, for the Hindus, Jehovah Witnesses, the Jews, some 4,000 other religions. Can you believe there's that many? 4,000 ways to be saved. Jesus says, no, I am the only way to be saved. And if you don't take this way, you're on the wrong road, and you're going to wake up someday in a place you don't want to be. I am the way, and I am the only way. In a few minutes, we're going to sing this song. They'll come to the Father through Jesus, the Son, and give him the glory for the things he has done. I, I grew up with this song in Rothkop Church in Michigan, and I just remember when we sang this song, the congregation was just going, Phew. it's so powerful. The song talks about Jesus being the only way. You come to the Father through Jesus, the Son, and only through Jesus, 
the Son. And, and can I challenge those listening this morning, just in case you're on the wrong path, listening online, or you, you hear this message in some way, there are not many roads to God. There are not many ways to salvation. There is one way. The Bible tells us very clearly, one way through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I invite you, if you're listening and you're on the wrong path, maybe to ask God into your heart to help you understand the need for your salvation as you come in faith and repentance to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, if, you can, if God can, can draw you to himself in that way, you too will be convinced that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation. That's what this Lenten season, that's what Easter is all about. Jesus Christ crucified, risen from the dead. You come to him and you can go to sleep. You can lay your pillow on your head every night, get up every morning and know for sure that you're going to this place that Jesus has prepared. And to know for sure that if you don't come to Christ, you will not go to this place. Let's keep getting the word out as we go through this season. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, Jesus pointed not only his disciples, but, but pointed us to the only means of salvation, the only way to come into your presence, the only way to, to go to this place that you prepared for us. And it's the way of the cross. And we rejoice in this way, uh, for the suffering, for the pain, for the agony that Jesus endured so that he could make the way possible for us to someday to dwell in eternity with him as a way, the truth, and the life, the eternal life of Christ. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that anyone listening this morning who is still on the wrong path, that you may turn them on the right path. Help them to understand the true meaning of this, this Lenten Easter season. And may they find peace and grace and salvation in Jesus' name, and that they too may come to the Father through Jesus the Son, in whose name we pray, everyone said, amen.